0: Welcome to the Baxter Bowman Podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored and unbiased so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's podcast is part of the Hunt Elk in 2020 series where I walk my friend and new bow hunter Josh through what he needs to know for his first over-the-counter public land bow hunt. It's based on everything I learned that made me successful for three out of the first four years I bow hunted elk. I've found that I'm learning just as much as he is from this process, and I hope you do too. Today, we're kicking off the Hunt Elk in 2020 series uh, with the biggest question, which is, should you hunt over-the-counter elk in idaho or colorado Uh, if you guys want to know more about our backgrounds listen to the previous episode but i'm here today with josh uh, who's brand new and 2020 is his first year hunting so we're going to cover a lot of ground
1: Um, so what are we going to hit today josh we're going to cover a lot everything from tag availability where you can hunt the cost season the terrain differences uh, pressure from both hunters and other predators like maybe wolves uh, draw different gear requirements distance and connections. So how far do you live from Idaho versus Colorado? Or maybe who do you know? And then the recent changes for 2020 in Colorado, yeah. which will be really interesting.
0: And the reason we're doing this is to give you, you, know, you can walk away and know which place you want to go. Like you, at the end of today's podcast, you should be able to say, okay, I'm going to go to Idaho or I'm going to go to Colorado. Um, so that's, that's what we're trying to get to.
1: Yeah. And I think that was really smart to do because when I saw like all the topics you were going to cover at the first place is like, where am I going to go generally right? Pick a state, Um, But why of all the states, you know, there's elk everywhere. Why are we just comparing Idaho versus Colorado?
0: Yeah. yeah, And that's a really good question uh, for the newer guy. Um, There's elk in a lot of places, right? Like South Dakota, even some of the East Coast states right now. Um, And really the biggest places, Montana, Wyoming, Colorado, Idaho, New Mexico, Arizona, you know, California, Oregon, Washington. What sets Idaho uh, and Colorado apart is they have what's called an over-the-counter tag. Um, Different states also have over-the-counter tags, but... Idaho and Colorado have a huge number of either sex archery tags that allow you um, to go show up, buy something without entering a draw and go hunt elk. So it's where the majority of people go. It's a great experience. A lot of guys get really caught up in trying to apply to the draw and that sort of thing. And like they think, hey, if I want to go elk hunting, I got to apply for five or 10 years. No, you can go do this this year and go pick one of these up real quick aside on those other ones, you know, the draw game is something we'll cover in other podcasts, but you can get tags that have zero points to draw, right? So if you're on top of your stuff and you already know what you're doing, you can just go to, uh, for example, New Mexico or Wyoming, Montana, uh, and pick a tag that's got zero points and just put into the draw, pick that up. So it's almost equivalent to an over-the-counter tag, but you got to put in before their deadline. For example, Wyoming was already in, January 31st this year, so that deadline's passed. No. So is that like a lottery for a over-the-counter? Tag? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, it's you know, it's a, the draw process is you have to put in an application, and every state has a different way of figuring out how you get the tag. Right, it you give you preference points, or it's just a random straight lottery, or something like that, where they you know, there's a finite amount of tags, there's only so many, and they got to figure out some way to allocate them to people. Gotcha. versus the over-the-counter tags we're talking about today in Idaho and Colorado, everyone can get one. Um, you got to be on
1: time, but everyone can get one. And that's why they call it (laughs) over-the-counter. Yeah, exactly. Cool. So how about in terms of over-the-counter tag availability in Idaho versus tag availability in Colorado?
0: Yep, and this is where the differences begin. Um, So there's two different structures, right? I'd say Colorado has a true over-the-counter tag. You can show up mid-season, anytime, go pick one up, over the counter at Walmart, right? That's where the name comes from. You just walk in, you hand them your hunter's uh, hunter safety card. You got to remember that thing. Uh, you know, Make sure you go to their website if you're going to do this. But you walk up, they'll give you a tag to um, any unit. So that's great for guys that either don't want to plan too far ahead, don't have the time. They can just show up and get one. Um, Colorado has so many elk that it's they can literally issue unlimited tags. and They're not worried about it killing off um, too many. And we'll get into some of the 2020 changes for Colorado. Idaho is a little different. They allocate a set number of tags to non-residents, you know, 15,000, 12,000, whatever it is in a given year. And once those run out, you're out. Historically, that was mid-late season, like rifle season. So if you're archery hunting, you could do the same thing as Colorado, show up and buy one. But the thing about Idaho now is that they're starting to run out early season before the season. Um, So you can still buy it over the counter, quote unquote, just buy it online, but you got to make sure you buy it before they run out. Uh, So if that's something that really matters to you, I think Colorado's the winner. You know, if you mess it up, miss the Idaho deadline, you can just go to Colorado and it's pretty easy to just show up and get something.
1: Hopefully you're listening to this episode a lot earlier than when the season starts. (laughs) But okay, that's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And then where you can hunt?
0: Yeah, so... You know, with each of those tags are structured a bit differently. You know, with Colorado, um, and I probably should give you know, my background too, right? Where I've, I've hunted, I hunted both of these places for uh, the first four years. I hunted elk, um, and I killed elk seventy-five percent of the time, right? Um, and that was two years in one, and two years in the other. So I've hunted both of these states. I have a really intimate knowledge of like the ins and outs and how, what it takes to be successful in each. Um, so that's why you're hearing kind of all these little nitty-gritty details. I think that's really going to help you pick up on the two. But where you can hunt, uh, with Colorado, you pick up one tag, and that tag applies to all over-the-counter units in Colorado that are open. Uh, We'll talk about 2020 changes in a bit, but that's a huge amount of land. That's like almost the entire northwest corner of Colorado at this point in time. So it's nice because if you're like the born-and-raised outdoors guys or someone who wants their style to be bugle and run, or you just like – bopping around, trying new things or like, who knows you're going one trip and you're flying into Denver and you're going with a buddy somewhere else. It's great. You can go hit all these different units. Oh, so it's more flexible. It's really flexible. Yeah. You can, you can just literally go up. They don't even, they don't care. Right. You just show up in any of those units anytime. Oh, okay. So you can cross over unit by unit as long as it's all the over the counter ones. Exactly. And so Uh, you're picking up on a trend. Colorado is kind of easy. You just show up and it's, it happens, right? Uh, Idaho, Is relatively easy too, but they do it slightly differently in that they lump units together into these zones, right? And so, you have to pick a zone when you buy the tag. Oh, okay. And so, a zone is three different units. Usually, it can be two, but it's a huge area, right? Practically, the difference between these two things is almost none because in either situation, there's zero chance you could cover them all and you really shouldn't cover them all. But in Idaho, you kind of have to know where you're going first. Now you have to pick your units right off the bat. Um, Colorado you can kind of bounce all over the place. Yeah.
1: Got it. Okay. So it's a big big difference there. Yeah, so Colorado's more flexible. Idaho, you kinda of have to know a little bit more specifically where you're gonna hunt before you buy the tag. Yeah.
0: So okay. if that matters to you, you know, definitely go with Colorado for flexibility. But uh but Idaho's practically the same if you're you know remotely on top of your stuff. Gotcha. And then price? Yeah, yeah. And these you know, were hitting the the basics here before you get into the, the meaty stuff but uh, they're both about the same you know colorado is like 681 i think in colorado or idaho is like pretty much 600 even so it's like an 80 price difference which is largely rounding error uh, especially when you factor in that colorado gives you an annual fishing license idaho only gives you a like a three-day license so you can move around little tip for guys going to idaho actually you should when you get that tag put your three-day fishing license on december 31st of the year because you can go into another place and have them move it back up, but you can't get it backwards. Does that make sense? So you can't put it in September and then say, well, now I want it in November. I didn't use it. They're like, no, you used it. But if you put it December 31st, you <laughs> finish your hunt, you're like, oh, I want to go fishing. Go down. They'll reprint your license and say, okay, your three-day fishing pass now applies to the day you started it. No way.
1: Yeah. It's a good little Uh, tip. Nice hack.
0: Yeah. Right. But, uh, so they're, they're practically about the same price. The, the one thing about Idaho that's a little different is it's structured as a annual hunting license, an elk tag an access separation fee and an archery permit. It's a lot of stuff, right? Um, the only one that really matters there is the archery permit. So Colorado, you can just show up and hunt, uh, In idaho you've got to have that archery permit so they're looking for two things one that you either have proof you've bow hunted somewhere else before or you have to take a course online to pass their kind of archery threshold you know i actually think that's a good thing it's like archery is a rather intense sport and you want people to show that they're not just going to go out there and wing arrows at things but uh, it's definitely another little hurdle for people to get over so it's something to know and it's not something you want to show up with either because like you got to do it ahead of
1: time I got to do it ahead of time as well. So, so yeah, how do you get that archery permit if you're in another state?
0: Yeah, they have like an affidavit you can go online and do. You can either fill it out or you know, submit the proof uh, for them. So you can do it there. You don't have to like go in. And honestly, with the way permits are structured now, you're gonna have to buy it ahead of time anyway. So it's yeah. not it's not super difficult, but it's just another piece of paperwork you got
1: to do. What's an affidavit? It's, yeah right big word it's it basically just says, yeah i did that okay cool so <laughs> a legal term for like a document right yeah so if i live in california i can get an archery tag for somewhere here and it just shows idaho that i archery hunted before yeah exactly okay. you have to enter
0: the number into their little form and or you have to enter the number from your archery online course for idaho or whatever okay. it is got it which one's easier oh usually if you have a tag okay so because yeah. you just buy it yeah Okay. Totally. So I'll do that. One totally other random, there's two other random things with this that are like really nitty gritty, but apply to a small amount of people. If you have someone that's never bow hunted before, uh, Idaho actually has a program that gives you a really cheap tag. My wife actually hunted with me the last two of those four years that I hunted elk and uh, we got a really cheap tag in Idaho, which is great. Um, so that's one thing. The other thing is the way the Idaho tag is structured, adding on a deer license or something else like that, Um is actually a lot cheaper than Colorado. So it's pretty possible for you to go to Idaho and say, I want an elk license, which is only 416 bucks of that 600. Then you want to throw on a deer license for an extra 100 or 200 bucks, right? So if you're going to hunt two things or you want to have a bunch of chances, Idaho is not a bad spot to end up. There is a B or a C roster in Colorado, but we'll talk about that later. So anyway, that's a lot of detail on the cost. They're roughly the same. Um, You do have to deal with the archery permit thing. I'd say Colorado is a little
1: easier to do, slightly more expensive. So they kind of net out on those two things. Gotcha. Now, when you get there, the terrain, what's the difference between Idaho and Colorado?
0: Yeah. So that's, that's where stuff starts getting a little different, right? Um, they're, both, they're both intense, right? Like, let's, let's get that out of the way. Like elk hunting is not easy. Um, Colorado has, uh, the fundamental difference between the two is the altitude of tree line which is about 11,000 feet in Colorado because it's further south near the equator. And it's about 9,000 feet in Idaho. And is that when the trees stop? Exactly. Yeah, it's where the, the trees just totally stop. And that's generally a good place. We'll talk more about it in the scouting. That's generally a good place in that September bow hunting range to go find the elk. Because what they do is they follow that green grass from the melting snow all the way up to that point each year. And then as the snow comes down, they get pushed back down. So that time of year all the snow's gone the greenest grass is way up top past the
1: trees got it so the elk will so generally in idaho versus colorado you'll have to hike higher basically generally yeah and that's you know i'm not trying to say that all the,
0: the elk are above treeline that's not true yeah. at all but they kind of are in that one or two thousand feet around there is like a generally a good spot to start so if you're in colorado to get to treeline you, you might go up to eleven thousand feet in idaho you're down at nine that's a i for an article, I think it's an 8% difference in the amount of oxygen. So it's, it's substantial. Like there's a difference there. That's not necessarily a bad thing. Like if you're in super good shape, you can get past people. If you're altitude acclimated, I mean, I think basically it just boils down to your individual preference. Um, as far as like the actual terrain itself, like that's almost a dangerous thing to talk about because it's so much generalization. Right. But I can give guys uh, a general idea of what's going on. So in Colorado, You've got really high mountains. Uh, you've got generally greener terrain, a little more lush. So in the same way that you use higher altitude to tree line, higher altitude keeps snow longer, right? So 10,000 feet in Idaho is about 10,000 feet in Colorado. But if you think about it, you're only going to about 9,000 in Idaho. Whereas Colorado, you might be hunting at 11. And so 11 is going to have more of that green grass. So it generally can be a little bit easier to stalk in on things. Um, Idaho tends to have a lot louder, like pine cone, kind of poppy crackly forest floor uh and so it can be you know if you're really calling and we'll talk about kind of the season length and when the rut gets started and all that sort of stuff but if you're really into stalking, i want a little bit more kind of high altitude open basins those kinds of things Colorado's a great place idaho is going to be a little noisier that's a massive generalization colorado also tends to have areas that have kind of these mesas so they're high altitude, they're 10, 11,000 feet, but they're flat at the top. So it is possible for you to get a unit, I think more possible than Idaho to get a unit that's got like remotely flat terrain that does have elk in it. You know, a great, um, great example, of this would be the flat tops or the uncompagre plateau. I'm totally against hot spotting in this podcast. That's an area of about a thousand square miles. I mean, it's monstrous. So that's <laughs> not, not doing that, but you can get up on top of that plateau and you know, you don't have to go up or down as much. So if you're worried about busting along you actually can get a relatively flat place um there in colorado but as always it's probably more about the individual spot than like the state right? right um last thing on terrain is idaho tends to be you're very different north to south like really different you're almost in canada and you're almost in nevada right so the south part of the state is all kind of scrubby sagebrush um, and it's going to be pretty open like an open mix of timber and sagebrush and you're going to be pretty surprised actually elk will be they've kind of been pushed more and more into that by the wolves which we'll talk about in a bit Um, so if you like really really open terrain and spotting elk that's good and like truly spot and stalk like you get crawling on your belly all that kind of stuff it starts to blend into just kind of that timber Um, and the thing about i found about idaho is there's really not much flat spot it's up or it's down it's gnarly even the foothills are gnarly Um, so it's definitely a place for people that that want to work out. Far north Idaho is almost rainforest. You're like in Canada, right? It's like you can basically only call because it's so thick and jungly that uh, that's that's all you can get. But wow, really, really big differences there. I'm generalizing like crazy. I'm sure some guys are going to write me some angry letters, but just a good overview for guys. One last thing I'll say about terrain. Hot tip for those guys that are going to some of the newer units in southern Colorado that were formerly over the counter. Oak behavior changes a little bit with that terrain uh so if you're in southern colorado the elk actually uh, go up at night and come down in the morning versus most everywhere else northern colorado idaho it's the reverse you know in the morning they're going back up and in the evening they're coming down don't ask me why they like to just spend all that time up there eating that green grass but something that's important to know uh just depending on where you're going you actually have to hunt
1: slightly differently Gotcha. And then, um, how about the seasons?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So each season, um, are yeah, roughly the same, I think a big one for a lot of guys is labor day. Cause that's a, you know, a day you can get off an extra vacation day. And we'll talk about in a later podcast about how you can use just five vacation days and hunt 10 days total. Guys always are like, what, how do you do that? But I've got a great system for that. This year, Labor Day is on the seventh, so it practically doesn't really matter because Labor Day used to be the first weekend of the month. It's in the middle there. Um, Colorado is September second through thirtieth, so pretty much the whole month of September. Idaho is like August thirtieth to September thirtieth, but those rules do differ in every zone. Again, like Idaho or Colorado, it's like everything's on the same. Idaho, it can be slightly different, so don't you know walk out there and hunt. Please read the regulations. Uh, but so there's not much of a difference there. The biggest, uh, biggest difference with season length is that some of the units in Idaho actually allow you to come back with a gun. So that's something a lot of guys don't know. And I don't want everyone to go run out and go book an Idaho hunt. It's not generally a bull. You can't come back and hunt a bull with a rifle. It's generally either a muzzle loader or it's like a rifle for a cow or, you know, a spike bull. It's something that's not bull right but it's kind of nice to know you go to idaho in september you whiff and you are heart set like josh and getting some tasty elk meat (laughs) and you want to come back in october november and uh, have another whack with that same tag you know if you go to montana or wyoming uh you put in for the draw some of those places have tags that are the bull for the entire year but when it comes to over-the-counter tags you generally can't get tags that work for each season so it's one little perk for idaho so if you're you know heart set on that i think idaho is the way to go tiny bit longer season you can come back with the rifle but really not much of a difference because a lot of guys only get
1: their one or two weeks of vacation time a year like you or me anyway right and then this might be a dumb question but if you get a tag in idaho can you go hunt in colorado a week later oh heck yeah no
0: i did that one year i uh got uh, the second year i hunted i got an elk the the first day with uh with margaret which my wife will have to talk about that one another another time, but I was like, this, I don't want this to be over. Um, I really wanted her to see the process. So that was why I took that shot on the first day. Um, so then I picked up a tag in Idaho, went there. So yeah, it's, it's possible to do both,
1: man. You were one lucky gun. If you can, uh, you can go do both in one year, but it's uh, it's definitely an option. Gotcha. And then for Colorado and Idaho, how about pressure?
0: Yeah, that's the biggest thing. Like you hear that from a lot of folks. Um, and what you're probably going to hear these days is like, Oh, Colorado's overrun or you know, Idaho's nuts. Um, and I think Colorado, without a doubt, has a heck of a lot more hunters, but it also has a heck of a lot more elk. Like if you look at the stats, there's, you know, over 200,000 elk in Colorado versus, you know, under 100,000 in Idaho. Um, so the the amount of hunters, in my experience, is like roughly proportional. There's not a massive difference. It's more about like where you choose to hunt, which we'll talk about later, uh, you know, getting away from trailheads or using trailheads to your advantage, right? People like in Colorado, you know, the elk are there. There's 200,000 of those things. So where are they going to go? But again, it's a subject for another time. Um, So that's a, you know, that's a difference, but I, I think it nets out, especially if you're in Southern Idaho, like there's a lot of pressure there. There's a, you know, a lot of California guys, Washington guys go to Idaho, a lot of East Coast guys, Texas guys go to Colorado. Although I'm seeing guys from both try to go to the other to change it up. They get frustrated. They go back to the original. So I don't, I don't think that's big. The one thing about pressure, um, this is this is a big one. Is it Colorado, Colorado? Sorry, Idaho <laughs> has wolves and grizzlies in different areas of the state. Now that's the ultimate type of pressure. That's like the pucker pressure, right? <laughs> so in the middle of the state, uh, Idaho has actually been a little bit decimated by those wolves, right? It's it's been it's definitely not been a success story. Um, so you can check the big game booklets, see where that is. Those areas are under objective. It's easy to avoid them. Um, But know that wolves are everywhere in Idaho. It's like no no unit you go to is going to be completely devoid of the things. Um, And it's a good or a bad thing, right? If wolves are around, generally elk are there. So you're probably in the right area. But if they do move in, like you got to move. Elk are not going to stay. They're going to blast out. So you've got to have a plan A, B, C, D, E, F. Um, One of my great hunting areas two years ago was fantastic elk came in or wolves came in blew out all the elk and I had no clue so I spent like a week hunting it Wow and it took, took that to learn yeah how would yeah. you know that wolves came through uh, you know what it snowed like crazy, so their tracks were everywhere oh. we found a they have a bad habit of killing bulls and just tearing out the guts eating those and moving on so we found a few of those um, bulls and a bunch of the tracks you hear them too they actually don't make they don't make the traditional like high howl because they know but the elk can hear them too. in a lot of these really pressured areas, you'll hear it kind of a, that's going to be hilarious on a podcast, like, <laughs> Ooh, noise. Oh, so they communicate whoa. to each other very low. Uh, so once you know what that noise is, you actually can hear it a lot of the time in these really pressured areas. So,
1: whoa, yeah. that's
0: so weird. They're in there, right? And it's, it's no joke. You know, I don't, uh, I haven't heard of anybody getting macked by a wolf yet in Idaho. It's been documented, but I've certainly heard some pretty reputable stories. I think Steve Spack is, had a crazy encounter. A few guys I know have had encounters where wolves have like they've come at them, right? I was actually this year. This year I was. Uh, I don't know either. It's the world's biggest coyote, or it's a small wolf came in. Uh, and it was pretty hilarious because it came running right at us, and we were sitting a wallow at sundown. And uh, I pulled out the gun, obviously, and Margaret started freaking out. Not about the wolf, but that I was going to shoot because she didn't have hearing protection. <laughs> <laughs> and the wolf uh, wisely chose to run the other direction because either she was screaming or, you know, I had a gun. So he had two bad options. Dang. But, okay. So if you're really afraid of wolves or grizzlies, Colorado. Yeah, Colorado. Um, The, the grizzlies in Idaho are pretty isolated. They're, they're right over by Jackson, basically kind of the Northeast corner of the state and some of the Montana County line. So you're not going to get them, you know, South central Idaho. Uh, But you know, there's no guarantees in life. Like you might be there the one year one kind of walks down a mountain range. Same thing applies to Colorado. Sad, but true. The wolves will probably get there eventually. But yeah, if you do, if you don't really want those two things around, I don't hunt in areas with grizzlies. I don't like it but I carry a you nine know, millimeter
1: or a three fifty seven and hunt in wolf zone. And I'm totally fine with it. Yeah. One day you'll have to tell them about that story when you peed on a grizzly by accident. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's <laughs> a legendary one. Um, I but, would undo uh, that in a heartbeat. A little bit of a tangent, but is there a way to protect yourself from wolves or is it just chance? Yeah. I mean, I think there,
0: there's not like a behavior, like a grizzly where it's, they're predictable and you need to do certain things. I think they're, they're pack animals and they're extremely wary, you know, but too wary. And that's part of the problem is it's really hard to hunt them, right? You can't really control them in these zones. Um, it takes a lot of effort. So there's not necessarily something you can do other than have something to protect yourself, a gun or a, uh, something like that. It, if you make noise, the time I've been around them, you make a noise, they're gone. You know, I think it'd be a really bold pack that would be willing to come in and come at you, uh, if, you if you shot at them. I don't think they're there yet, but uh, who knows one day just, just make sure you have a firearm or something that you're, you're comfortable using.
1: So pressure, um, pros and cons for each state.
0: Yeah. I think it, if you really care about the wolves and the grizzlies, you got to go to Colorado. That's it. Um, I don't think you're going to get away from people. And I think that's one of my really strong opinions in elk hunting. That's why I've been so successful pretty early on. Um, is that I know how to, get away from folks right all my 25 years of backpacking or whatever it is like you can use people to your advantage so i don't think it's something to run from you're not gonna be able to get away from it if you really care about the wolves and the grizzlies don't go to idaho go to colorado but either place you're gonna have to deal with pressure
1: it's just part of the game got it so we cover tag availability where you can hunt cost season terrain pressure now what about the draw yeah that's
0: raw and, you know i hope guys are kind of getting a picture of, like which one's standing out to them where they want to go uh, and i think that's kind of the goal here is like as we talk through each of these different pieces you pick up on the thing that matters to you because it's like all about your personal situation that's another thing i'm super adamant about is you get advice online other places a lot of times like go here it's like no how do you know that right like do you know this guy and what his budget is where he's coming from what's he doing so you know we'll we'll try to call out the winners on each of these things you know, file that away and at the end. We'll just talk about how to sum it all up. Yeah. Maybe
1: they can even like tally up a point or something for each winner. And at the end, like choose the one that weighs out more. Exactly. I feel like the answer gets really clear after, you know, all this stuff, um, the
0: draw, right? Like, why are we talking about the draw? This is, we're talking about over the counter tags. Well, it's pretty simple. If you're already going to buy an over the counter tag, it's actually not much more expensive
1: to en- enter the draw. It's like nine or 10 bucks. Yeah. And if we back up a little bit, can you explain for newbies like me, what is the draw?
0: Yeah, so the draw is that when they have controlled access units, so they've got 10 elk tags and over 10 people want them, which is <laughs> a given these days. A lot of people like elk hunting. They have to do some sort of system to allocate those. And that's generally referred to as the draw, right? Every state does it a little bit differently. There's a kind of a range of we call like a straight draw or just a lottery, which is literally everybody that enters gets the same chance that year. And then there's all the way to the other end of the continuum. It's pure preference points, which means the guys that enter the one that has the most preference points, meaning you applied the most years in a row gets that tag for that year. Gotcha. Um, There's a lot of flaws with that system. A lot of flaws And each state does it differently. Some square the points, some give you one point, some let you do something to get a point. It's funky and we can cover it another time, but it's not something you really want to do your first year (laughs) dealing with elk hunting. Um, That said, the states in which there are over-the-counter tags, Colorado and Idaho, are running draws. And so you might as well get that point or get that chance that year to get a great unit because you're going to pay that money. So the difference there is that Idaho is one of those straight draws. So a guy that's been applying 20 years, applies with you, is going to get the same odds that you get. That said, Colorado, or Idaho doesn't have that many like true trophy units. They manage for more of opportunity than kind of special quote unquote units, um, you're going to have way higher odds, right? You might get a, a decent unit with like a 4% chance, right? your first year applying to Colorado, you have a 0% chance at some of the nicer units. That being said, Colorado is a preference point state. So every year, pure preference point, every year you apply and you don't get something you get a point and they pick the guys with the highest points for each of these different units. Uh, and so with some of the changes this year, uh, which again we'll talk about in a bit where they've moved some of the over-counter units to draw units. You actually might be able to pick something up with one or two points uh, and you get a pretty decent hunt as well. So there's a lot more kind of units that are restricted in Colorado, but it's going to be pretty hard to get out ahead of that point creep. Long story short, let's not get into too much in the details. Like could, we could do a whole podcast on this stuff, right? But if you want to show up and have a, you know, enter a, enter a draw and have a chance at something, Idaho is probably a little better because you get that straight draw. Uh, but there's not a huge difference because you could also build points in
1: Colorado. If you go there five or six years, you probably could get an okay unit. Okay, so if you are going to go into it, enter a draw, do you enter a draw first? And if you don't get it, you just buy an over-the-counter? Exactly. Okay. Yeah, or you just
0: buy the over-the-counter first in like in Idaho, and then they let you enter the draw. And if you get the draw, then you get the other tag. Generally, I just enter the draw. Say if you don't get what your first choice, you want the over-the-counter unit you want, and you get it. That being said, I don't have them off the top of my head. Colorado is, you know, April or March. And I think Idaho is like, oh man, I'm butchering this. I think it's like May. Okay. So they're they're coming up. They're here, <laughs> right? So you should probably make that decision before then if you want to get that little perk. But it's yeah. something to bear in mind when you're thinking about it, over-the-counter units.
1: Hopefully we'll make that decision by the end of the
0: podcast. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I think it's pretty easy. You know, we'll, we'll talk about it. But I don't, this isn't the decision that's going to
1: make you... Kill or not kill an elk, right? So. It's just the first decision you have to make is which state. Yeah. And right.
0: it's, I think the biggest thing here too is like demystifying this. It's easy to pick up a tag. Everyone thinks it's this massive, crazy process and you got to get some sort of software to help you figure out what your draw odds are. No, it's like you can just buy a tag. <laughs> just <laughs> buy a tag in Colorado or Idaho um,
1: and you've got a good shot. So yeah. no worries about that one. Now for Colorado versus Idaho, what about gear? Do you need different gear for each state? Yeah. And this actually is a big
0: difference for a lot of guys, especially you East coast guys that are used to hunting, you know, white tails out of a stand. And we'll talk a lot about the differences in gear over time that you'll need. But the biggest one here is mechanical broadheads. Idaho does not allow mechanical broadheads. So you have to have a fixed blade broadhead that's over an inch in width, which is pretty much every fixed blade broadhead out there. that's a turnoff for some guys i know it's hard to tune a bow it's really hard to tune a bow i think i can make it easy for you we'll talk about that later but if you're not tuning a bow you're not that confident in your shooting ability and you like to use that mechanical um you know you got to go to idaho or sorry you got to go to colorado you can't go to idaho just full stop that's how it is no mechanicals in idaho yep and i you know I don't like to say things in like ultimatums, right? Cause everybody's got a different perspective and different experience, but I, I generally don't like to recommend mechanicals for elk for a lot of reasons that we've talked about. So if I was hunting Colorado, I would also be hunting a fixed blade, but there are guys that do or die. They love them. They're like, this is my bow's tuned this way. This is what I want to use. Got to make that decision. There's some little gear differences, little tiny ones. Um, this more applies to people uh, like my wife, but there's a poundage difference, you know, I think Idaho is 40 pounds. Colorado is 35 pounds. That's more traditional recurve guys that are going to deal with that too. But if you know if someone can't pull those strengths, like that's that's pretty easy. The one that does apply to most guys, though, is the let off percentage. So let off percentage, if you're not familiar with bows, when you get into that valley, you know you pull through that whole draw cycle and you get back and it gets easier. That's called the let off percentage. So if you're drawing 50 pounds and you have a 90%. Uh, let off percentage, that means you're only holding five pounds of pressure here on the back wall. Colorado has an 80% let off max, and Idaho has an 85% max. That's pretty important today for a lot of reasons. One, a lot of the bows now come at 85. So Hoyts in particular, I think some of the Matthews uh, that aren't the switch weights come right at that 85. Uh, and that makes it very, very easy for enforcement. There's a lot of debate here, like, are they really going to be able to tell? But, like, if you have a bow that only comes in 85, they're going to certainly go, hmm, I'm I'm interested. Those do have mods that allow you to get down below that, but you bet your bottom dollar it's pretty easy for a fishing game guy to look at a sheet and then make sure he reads that your mod says 75%, and then if not, ticket, right, versus some of the other bows that are adjustable. Yeah, he'd have to measure it, that sort of thing. And I've actually heard of people getting tickets for this. It's pretty... Pretty few and far between, like you know, on forums, ninety-five percent of the guys like, yeah, I've never been checked. But I think I know. For example, Montana was printing it out for all their wardens last year, so it's there. Um, So if you you have a bow, you're like, it's on the money. It needs to be eighty-five or ninety percent. You got to go. So you can't do uh, can't do ninety percent anywhere technically. But if you got to do eighty-five percent, you need to go to Idaho if you're fine with moving it down to 80%, you know, either works or go to Colorado.
1: So 80% Colorado. Yeah. 85. Idaho. I don't know. Yeah. 85 and under. Um, works for Idaho, 80 80 and under Colorado. So, got it. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Slight differences, little things. Uh, you really don't want that ticket. Uh, it's just not fun to have that conversation with Mr. Lawman.
1: Yeah. So any other gear differences besides the broadhead and the bow let off? No, that's really it. I mean, I think those are the two things. If those are important to you, it's pretty easy to figure that out. You got to go to one or the other. Yeah. Uh, okay. But like boots, rain gear, backpacking, water stuff, treatment, all the same? All generally the same,
0: yeah. Um, you know, there's going to be differences in the amount of precipitation and all that. But that's more like interstate than other places, okay? Um, I'd say they both. You know, it depends where you go in Idaho or where you go in Colorado, whether water's available and what your purification and water carrying setup is, all that kind of stuff. But largely, it's just those two. Yeah, that's and illegal legal gear requirements, right? Versus right.
1: versus okay. the alternative. Um, yeah, and I know you have a whole thing on water purification <laughs> that you'll cover <laughs> yeah. later. Um, but yeah, last topic is the recent changes in 2020 for Colorado.
0: Yeah. So there's been a, been a big changes here about a month ago. They kind of surprised a lot of guys, but they, they took a lot of those Southern, uh, elk units, Southwest Idaho and moved them from over the counter to draw units. So that's got a lot of things that. a lot of guys just have no idea what's going to happen. And there's a lot of rumor and swirl there. Uh, One, there's not really a firm amount of people that are going to be allowed into each of the draw units yet. So we don't know, is it like super exclusive? Is it a ton of people? It's likely not going to be very exclusive because they don't want to put that amount of pressure on other areas. But that means there's a slightly less places to go in Idaho. Um, It's not necessarily a bad thing, right? It also means that if you're applying for an over-the-counter tag there, I would definitely enter the draw. Because if you do that, then you're going to be able to apply for one of those units and you might get a slightly less crowded version of the hunt than you would have two years ago. Um, and I've hunted those Southwest units. They're great units, right? Good place to be. Uh, but the Northern ones are just fine.
1: How many out of all the units available went like, how much did we lose in terms mm. of over the counter Colorado? If you were to guess. Yeah. I don't know the number off the top of my head, but
0: I think it's like a third of the area you could over the counter hunt or like a fourth. Okay. It's not, not Huge, but it's also not tiny. Yeah, yeah it's a little area, it'll, okay. it'll move around. The biggest difference is they split the tags. Uh, the other big change they made is they split the tags into like a bull or a cow tag. Uh,
1: In not all of Colorado,
0: yeah. There's either cell, uh, either sex tags still, but you if that's mainly if you're on private land. Okay, there's exceptions to this rule. This isn't blanket, you know, the level of change they've had this year. I would definitely go read those regs. But you kind of have to pick, do you want the bull? Do you want the cow? You know, where do you want to go? Um, versus a lot of guys like the either, art, either sex archery at tags. It's like, yeah, you know, I can shoot one or the other. I remember the first year I went to Colorado. I said, okay, if it's within this days, it's a bull. After that point in time, it's a cow. Oh, okay. Um, I really don't. A lot of guys have a pride or desire for the antlers. Elk meat is really tasty. And getting a cow is a heck of a trophy uh, do-it-yourself archery. It's still very difficult to do. So I have a strong point of view, like, don't worry about it. Um, And we talked about this earlier, too. If you are going to go cow only, like, I would probably go to a unit that's that's a trophy unit, you know, somewhere that restricts those passes because you can go there and get a cow tag pretty easily. And anyway, that's another topic for another time. But some changes there for Colorado in 2020. No one really knows how they're going to shake out yet. I don't think it's going to be enough to schedule your trip or move you – move you over but if you already were on the fence between idaho and colorado and you had your heart set on going back to southwest colorado this year and all of a sudden it's
1: it's a draw unit hey you've got to factor that in right um and yeah it's a good point on the the cow versus the bull because i think for me first year going in i just want to bring home some elk meat and have that experience and butcher one yep um so yeah, that's, we covered a lot on this, this episode. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think the, you know, one of the biggest factors too that we haven't discussed is like distance and connections, right. For folks, this, and we're covering it last, but I'd say this is probably number one. Uh, if you are much closer to Colorado or you're much closer to Idaho, that's going to be a big deciding factor in of itself, right? If you, like I, My advice to guys is why on earth would you drive past one to go to the other? That extra half day of hunting is going to make you so much more successful than choosing Idaho over Colorado. Guys get this thing in their mind where they're like, it's about choosing the state. It's if I find the perfect state in the perfect unit, I'll be successful because I've run the numbers. And it's, uh, no, that's not how it works, right? It's uh, It doesn't magically make you kill an elk. Like it's all about the amount of effort you put in, the knowledge you got, the preparation. So, you're here, you're listening to this, you're already ahead of the crowd. We'll figure it out for people. But my strong viewpoint on that is like, if you're closer to Idaho or Colorado, that's almost made the decision in itself, unless there's something we talked about here. They're like, oh, I got to have that, right? Um, so definitely go do that. Connections, like that's a that's an important piece. Um, I think guys, there's a lot of different ways to hunt. Uh, and I'll talk about my hunting style in a bit, but I do think it's really great to have a midweek kind of area to rest and recharge, take one night, go clean all your stuff, get a good meal in you, like totally purge your mind because it can you can get in a bad place, right? And so if you know somebody there that's got a house or something that can help you out, that's huge. That's monstrous. But even more important than that, if you know somebody that's gone to a location and is willing to give you that intel, if you know somebody that lives near somewhere, that's huge. Everything about over the counter archery elk hunting is about knowing your unit. You can have a hunting style like the born and raised outdoors guys, but they get that way by being really good at calling and really good at covering terrain. I don't think anyone who's going out their first year is there. You know, if you are there, you're not asking for my advice on your hunting style. Right. Um, but if you, you know, if you already are going to go somewhere, I would go somewhere with someone you know because that person's gonna be able to give you that research, that intel that's gonna move you a year or two worth
1: of hunting up the ladder and probably make you more successful. Yeah. So the number one factor you'd say in everything we covered is distance and the connections that you have.
0: Yeah, I know. It's not a not a sexy thing, but like I think it's it's important to know just all the differences and I say that's it. Um, and like I said, it's this decision is not gonna make or break your elk hunt You can kill them in both places. There is a different style. You know, one thing Uh, actually, before we move on, one thing I forgot to cover is the the difference in the rut. Uh, So there is a bit of an earlier rut in Idaho. Uh, It's further north. I think it's colder. It gets colder a little earlier. I'll probably get a lot of flaming, a lot of debates on this, but in my experience in both, a few years in both of these places, there's probably a few more elk making noise earlier in Idaho. I've also found that there's plenty of bugling in in Colorado. Everyone says, oh, they don't bugle in Colorado." They've been pressured. Well, guess what? You're hunting a pressured, overly pressured area. If that's the case, like you're not in the right spot. Uh, but Idaho teds tend to have a little bit of an earlier, uh, earlier rut. So if you're trying to decide when to go and you want to go do that, you know that's a good, a good thing to do. But all that said, this will make this decision is not going to decide if you are a successful elk hunter. Think about it. If there's something I mentioned that you're like, this is, this made it for me. This is something I need to have. I need to have a mechanical broadhead. I really want to hunt deer as well. I got to go to Idaho. I really want to uh, get away from the wolves. Got to go to Colorado. Like you pick one of those things like that's going to happen. Otherwise, figure out where you're going. Make it happen. You're going to do just fine.
1: Awesome. And then for those of you listening, if you wanted to review any of this material without having to listen to the whole thing again, you can go check out, just go to BaxterBowman.com. And we cover, or Baxter will cover every single one of these topics and then weigh out the pros and cons in each topic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I basically just put it all down in, in text. It's a really long comparison, but that way you can kind of go review them and go, okay, which one of those things matters, you know? So it's uh, the, the hot link is baxterbowman.com slash Colorado dash first dash Idaho dash elk. So Colorado versus Idaho elk. Uh, but you'll find it if you
1: click on the hunt in 2020. Series it'll be the first thing up there, so it's it's easy to go. So it's just Baxter B A X T E R Bowman B O W M A N dot com. There you go. That easy. Now for me Baxter. Yeah. Where are you going, Josh? I'm going to. (laughs) Definitely not telling people. Yeah. We. uh, I will see you there. Yeah.
0: Exactly. (laughs) You will see him there if you tell people. We had a good conversation about this earlier, and we were like, let's. Josh, after we walked through all this stuff, was like, oh, I know where I'm going, and I said, great. You're not telling anyone.
1: (laughs) Yeah. 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 No way. But um, for people out there, what's the latest date you would say they should pick a state by? Like, for all us procrastinators, what's a good goal? That's a really good question. I don't... With over-the-counter
0: stuff for Idaho, if you don't want it to sell out, you're probably going to have to get on it by July this year. I think it sold out in August, something like that. So I'd say that time frame. Don't quote me. You definitely should pay attention to how many tags are left because that's on you. Uh, For Colorado, you can just show up. You know, I think... Don't put too much pressure on yourself it's not the end of the world you can just make it happen that being said like i said enter the draw man you got a free shot you got a free thing and also picking this stuff now gets it out of your head it gets you focused on the things that really matter like the gear and the knowledge like that if you get those two things dialed uh, and you spend time scouting your individual unit e-scouting or going boots on the ground like if you know those things you're gonna be way more successful if you draw than if you draw this out forever and try to pick the perfect state or unit. So yeah. I'd say, don't spend a ton of time on this. Make this decision quick. Make it in the next few weeks. Apply in the draw of whichever one you're gonna do. Get it out of the way. Move yeah. on to the important stuff.
1: Uh, when's the earliest date that
0: the draw ends? You know, Colorado sent me an email a day or two ago. Um, I don't know when this podcast is going live, but it's it's open. You're okay. already there. Uh, Idaho. Opens a few months, so I think by the time most folks are listening to this, they're both basically open. When's the first one closed? Um, I don't know off the top of my head I'll have to do a little googling. But I think okay. uh Colorado draws you know, March April time frame.
1: Okay. So you heard it here, folks, you gotta make your decision before March April, which is coming up pretty soon if you're gonna do the draw. Um, next up, talking about what are we talking about next? on the podcast.
0: Yep. We're doing the units. So nice. that's okay. another really hot topic, picking a unit. And so what I'm going to do for that one to give you a little bit of a preview is I actually have a history and data analytics for my, my product management side of the house, right? Mr. Nerd over here. But so I took all the stats from each place and I'm going to break them down. I have a few custom stats that I built to help guys figure out like, what is the best, best unit uh, spoiler alert on that. I'm not going to obviously give you a unit, but give you a lot of factors of like the numbers that really matter and the things that actually will move the needle. And then also even more importantly, what the numbers can't tell you the things you can't figure out with a success rate, the things you can't figure out just by looking at that. And um, so you can tailor it to your individual situation. Cause I think that's the basis for all this stuff. If you know the best unit for you might not be the best unit for another guy. So we're going to walk through all the stats and all the units help you most importantly, get rid of units that suck. <laughs> and then of the you know, majority of the units that you find they are still really good, pick the one that's the best. Gotcha.
1: Nice. Leveling the playing field. Yep. Awesome. So yeah, we, we're going to pick a state. And the next time, talk about picking a unit. Yep. We're moving on with the
0: 2020 Elk Series. So tune in next time. Thanks for listening, guys. If you appreciate this, I currently don't make any money or do anything with uh, with this site of this podcast. The way you can help me out is tell a friend, like it subscribe, review, you know, all the things you hear all the podcast guys say, they say it for a reason. It helps me get more people on this. It helps me reach, uh, reach folks, which who knows, maybe one day I can, you know, do something legit with this. It'd be awesome. <laughs> That'd be the dream. <laughs> That'd be the dream. All right. Tune in next time, guys. Thanks for listening.